the Prophecy Club, I'm going to answer the question about the rapture. Is it pre-mid, pre-wrath, or is it post-trib? When does the rapture take place? First of all, the three best Old Testament rapture verses are Job 14, 12, 13, and 14. So a man lieth down and riseth not till the heavens be no more. Okay, what's that saying? It's saying that when we go in the grave, that we don't come out of the grave until the heavens be no more. Well, when is that? Revelation 6, 12 describes it. And I beheld when he opened the sixth seal, my opinion, that is the day before Armageddon. Lo, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood and the stars of heaven fell in the earth. That's the heavens are no more. Even as a fig tree casting forth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind and the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. That's when Jesus returns in eternity. Eternity is darkness. And when darkness, eternity, comes into time, the heavens will appear as they're rolling black like a scroll, and every mountain and island removed out of their places. And that's when every bondman, free man, hid themselves in the dens and the rocks and the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? That stand, that's going to answer another question here in another verse in just a minute. Okay, so man lieth down and riseth not till the heavens be no more. And so as long as there are heavens up there, there's no one coming out of the grave at, at least for eternity. Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave, that thou wouldest keep me secret. In other words, keep me in the grave until thy wrath be past. Now, the pre-tribbers want to say, oh, well, the seven-year tribulation, that, that's the wrath. Well, that's wrong. I've got lots of verses to back that up. For example, Second Peter 3.10, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away. That's further confirmation the heavens are gone. With a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And the works also that are therein shall be burned up. All these things shall be dissolved, and the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. So that's confirming the heavens are no more. So we stay in the grave until the heavens are no more, until thy wrath is past. Well, what's the wrath? Isaiah 9.18 For wickedness burneth as the fire. It shall devour the briars and the thorns, and shall kindle in the thickets of the forest. That's the tares. And they shall mount up like the lifting of the smoke through the wrath. Here's the wrath. That's proving it's the wrath. The wrath of the Lord of hosts is the land darkened, and the people should be as fuel of fire. In other words, as the morning star hits them, they fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones. Then Isaiah ten seventeen, And the light of Israel shall be for a fire, and his holy one for a flame. Again, that's the morning star. It shall burn and devour its thorns and its briars in one day, and shall consume both soul and body. Again, that's the morning star. It destroys both body and soul. Isaiah thirteen nine through 13. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger. So that's proving it's the wrath to lay the land desolate. He shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. That's the sun and the moon and the stars all being destroyed. The sun shall be darkened and it's going forth and the moon shall not cause their light to shine. And I will punish the world for evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease. I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath. Again, that's the wrath of the Lord in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. 
So I've given you several verses that that's talking about the wrath of the Lord. Now let's go to verse 13. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Means we stay in the grave until our change comes. The question is, what's the change? That's when the morning star hits us and out of our belly flows rivers of living water. That's when we change from having a mud body to having a, an eternal body. So now let me read through these again. These are the three best Old Testament verses. Job fourteen twelve. So man lieth down and riseth not till the heavens be no more. In other words, when Jesus returns, they shall not awake, nor be raised out of their sleep. O that thou wouldest hide me in the grave, that thou wouldest keep me secret until thy wrath, that's the morning star, be past, that thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait until my change comes. It's saying that no one comes out of the grave, uh, that is, unless we go to the marriage supper land, but not for protection. The heavens be no more, that's on the seventh trumpet, till thy wrath is past, that's the morning star, till my change comes, and that change comes from the morning star when it hits us and gives us a glorified body. But now let me cover another scripture here before we go to the best New Testament scriptures. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption and incorruption, which is confirming what Job 14 said. It's saying that no one goes anywhere until we get our new glorified body. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In other words, not all Christians will die. Most of them will die, I'll say. By the time Jesus returns, most all of the Christians will be gone. But there's going to be a few of them that will still survive. And that's the reason it says, we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. That change is when we get our glorified body. That's the reason it says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, flesh and blood cannot go into eternity. A flesh and blood body won't live eternally, but a light body will. That's what it's saying. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. So it's saying a mud body won't last forever. So we get a new light body. Verse 52. In a moment... In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. Well, that's the seventh trump. There's only seven trumps. For the trumpet shall sound. The dead shall be raised incorruptible. That's when they get their glorified body. And that's when we get ours. The way I see this is the morning star blows down once. In other words, first he raises the dead. And then the morning star goes out and hits the tares. All of the people that were in the graves. And those people that are still alive. All in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. When it hits the tares, they fall to the ground on a pile of ashes and bones. When it hits those people whose names are in the book of life, be they dead or be they alive, in that moment, they all get the glorified body, the light body, and that he said his reward is with him. So that's when we get all of our mantles, our crowns, our garments, everything that we're going to get. And if we had any works, that's when they're burned up, if they're burned up. For this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. He's saying that a blood-pumping mud body will not make it eternally. It won't live eternal. So he's giving us a new light body. That's what it's saying. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we will get a light body. We shall be changed. Now let's go to the three best New Testament verses. 
First of all, I got to ask you a question because you have to get this definition in order to understand this quickly. In these four verses, who is the thief? That's my question. The day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Who's the thief? Would you agree that's Jesus? Second Peter 3.10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Who's the thief? Again, Jesus. Revelation 3.3, 3. if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come, not come on thee as a thief. Jesus. Revelation 16.15, behold, I come as a thief. So in all of these four scriptures, who is the thief? I think you'd agree it is Jesus. Jesus comes. He is not a thief, but he comes like a thief, meaning that for the unsaved, for those people that aren't watching, he will appear as a thief. Now let's jump to Revelation 16, 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water there was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. This, the sixth angel, remember, the audible voice of God told me that the seven seals play over seven years. The seven trumpets play over seven months, and the seven vials play over seven days. So this is the sixth angel pouring out his sixth vial. So this is literally the day before Armageddon. And what happens? The Euphrates River is dried up so that all of the nations east of the Euphrates River can walk across the Euphrates River dry shod, and they're going to go over to attack Israel. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. These are the spirits of devils working miracles going forth into the kings of the earth and to the whole world to gather them to the battle. What battle? That's Armageddon. That's the day of the seventh trumpet, the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Here's the question. Here's the thing that points that there is not going to be a pre-trib or a mid-trib or a pre-wrath rapture saving anybody from any tests. No one is going anywhere in terms of being saved. Now, yes, they get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb about four months earlier on Pentecost, but most of those are coming out of the grave. Very few Christians are going to be alive at that point, but there will be a few that will be ready. But they're not going there to avoid a testing. They're going there because they've already been proven true and faithful. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Verse 15. Now, this is the one, this is the big New Testament verse that proves no pre-trib. So here it is. Revelation 16, 15. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments. Now, who's he talking to? Who is it that gets garments? Do tares get garments? Do sinners get garments? No, they don't. The only ones that get garments are those people whose names are in the book of life. So here he's saying those few people, there are going to be very few, but there will still be a few, but those few people who are left alive at this point, the ones that are expecting to get garments, he's saying, be sure and don't lose your garments. In other words, don't lose your salvation. Behold, it cometh a thief, blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon, meaning this is absolute positive proof that Christians will still be here the day before Armageddon. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, that's the Christians, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Now, the next question is, and this is a really big one. Matter of fact, when I was in the three-hour uh, debate talking about the rapture, well, I was asked this question. Someone started reading this verse to me, and so I'll answer it. 
a lot of people hang their pre-trib hopes on this verse, and I'm about to dash all of those hopes. Luke 21, 36. Watch ye therefore and pray always, that ye might be accounted worthy to escape all these things, that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now the pre-tribbers want to say, oh, that is getting me hope that I can escape all of these things. Well, that's not what it means. The understanding of that verse can be found in the word stand. So what does it mean when it says, and to stand before the Son of Man? Well, here's the answer. Those people that make it through the morning star, once that morning star comes down and burns the tares, and those people who are whose names are in the book of life, in that moment, get their glorified body. So it's saying, watch ye therefore and pray always that ye might be accounted worthy to escape the morning star, and so that all these things that are come to pass, and you'll be able to stand before the Son of Man. Those people that are left standing are the ones that got crowns, wedding garments, mantles. Those are the ones whose names are in the book of life. So he's saying, the way we would say it is, watch ye therefore and pray always that you might be accounted worthy to escape the burning of the morning star and to stand before the Son of Man. So the last man standing or the last group of men standing after the burning, those are the ones that are saved. Revelation 6.15. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks and the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great Debbie's wrath has come and who shall be able to stand? Meaning, did you make it through the burning? It's not saying if you pray, you can escape the seven-year tribulation. It's saying if you pray, you might be able to escape and make it through the burning and not be burned up with the tears. Here's further proof of what the word stand means. Now let's go to Nahum 1.4. He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry and drieth up the rivers. The mountains quake at him. See, this is describing the day Jesus returns, the day of trumpets, the day of Armageddon. The mountains quake at him. This is when he's destroying the old heaven and the old earth, and he's making a new heaven and a new earth. It takes 10 days between the Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of Atonement for him to make a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence. Who can stand before his indignation? He's saying, did you make it through the burning? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. That's when every high place falls, and the, the low places of the valleys are filled in. The crooked places are made straight, and the rough places are made smooth or round. That's when the whole earth is shaken down to where it's just a nice, round, smooth ball, and there's no more sea except there's one. And there's only one mountain on the earth, and that's where the New Jerusalem comes down on top of that mountain. Now let's go to further proof. Psalm 1.5. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Meaning, the tares are all burned at once on that same day. Isaiah 17.14 says, In the evening they are, and the morning they're not. Meaning, the day of the Lord is not even 24 hours. The day of the Lord takes place in less than 24 hours. When that morning star goes down in a moment and the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, the seventh trump, when that goes down, as that morning star hits us, we get a glorified light body, and as it hits the tears, they fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones. 
Now let's go to one of the big pre-trib verses. This is one of the verses that a lot of pre-tribbers hang their belief on. They hang their hat on this, and they're saying, oh, there you go. That's proof. I don't have to go through the tribulation. Here it is, 1 Thessalonians. Now we're going to start at verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Okay, so apparently someone asked him, what about those people that have died? So that he's answering the question. Which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus, in other words, they died, but they believed in Jesus, will God bring with him. Okay, those are the people on white horses, and they're wearing the wedding garments because they just came from the wedding. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, there are not going to be very many people, but there will be a few people alive and remain under the coming of the Lord, shall not prevent them which are asleep. In other words, we won't beat them getting our glorified body. The answer is, we all get our glorified body all in the same instant. For the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. I really wish King James had said the seventh trump, because that's what it's talking about. And in the next verse we're going to talk about, it says last trump. There's only seven trumps, so it's talking about the last or the seventh trump. With the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And I believe that's the way it happens. So here's what I see. So Jesus is returning in darkness, because that's eternity. Eternity is darkness. Darkness is eternity. And then as that eternity enters into time, time splits. That's the reason the heaven appears to roll back like a scroll in Revelation 6.12. And then as that darkness enters in, and that is clouds, thick clouds and thick darkness, then Jesus causes the dead in Christ to rise, and then he blows his glory down, as the glory hits the tares, they fall to the ground a pile of ashes and bones. And as it hits those people whose names are in the book of life, be they dead or be they alive, they get the glorified body all in that instant in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. That's not white cumulus clouds, because I'm going to read for you a verse here in just a second. Well, here, let me just pop to it. Joel 2.1, blow you the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. So it's the day of the Lord. A day of darkness, here it is, and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. So when the trumpet sounds in Zion, when the day of the Lord comes, that's the day of Armageddon, trumpets. When that comes, it's the day of darkness, gloominess, clouds, and thick darkness. Why? Because eternity is entering into time. That's the reason it says, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now let's go to another one of the favorite verses of the pre-tribbers to prove that they're not going to have to go through any tribulation. Let's go to Revelation 3.10. They say, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Well, the problem is, is that was actually spoken to the church in Philadelphia some 2,000 years ago. You can't just turn around and pick out a word here or there and say, yep, that's me. That proves I don't have to go through the tribulation because just before that in Revelation 2.8, that was Revelation 3.10, in Revelation 2.8, it's having in another letter to the church in Smyrna, and he says, And I know thy works and thy tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. I know the blasphemy of those that say they are Jews and are not, but they are the synagogue of Satan. Fear not of those things which thou shalt suffer. 
Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So we can't just pick and say, oh, that verse says I get to avoid all of the temptation and ignore the one that says thou shalt suffer when the fact is neither one of them were speaking to us. A, they were speaking to a church 2,000 years ago, and B, we are actually living in the Laodicean church age where it says, I would that thou would be cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. So that was what was said to this church age, not I'll keep thee from the hour of the temptation. So they can't hang their hat on that one. Now let's go to another one, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. What's that saying is that our mud body, this blood-pumping body of ours, is not an eternal body. It would not last for all eternity, and it's saying that this mud body is not going to go into eternity. Instead, we get a glorified body or a light body, a body made of light. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He's saying that not everybody in Jesus dies, but we shall all be changed into a new eternal, a light body. That's what he's saying. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. What's the last trump? Well, there's only seven trumps, so that would be the seventh trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, meaning when the dead come out of the graves on the seventh trumpet, they come out in eternal light bodies. Because I believe what happens when Jesus returns with eternity, which is darkness, and as he spreads time, the heavens appear to roll back like a scroll one side to the other side. As he blows the morning star with the breath of his nostrils, brandishes his sword, when he blows his glory down, it goes all the way to the center of the earth, sets the foundations of the mountains on fire. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. And as that morning star hits the tear, they fall to the ground in a pile of ashes and bones. As that hits the dead that have just been raised out of the ground, as it hits those that are, whose names are in the book of life that are on the earth, then all of a sudden, in an instant, out of our belly flows rivers of living water, and out of our belly we get a light body. There's no more blood pumping. There's no more mud body. It's a light body. It's a glorified body in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. The dead should be raised incorruptible, or they get an eternal body, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. In other words, this mud body that won't last eternally is going to have to get an eternal body. That's all he's saying. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and when this mortal should have put on immortality, in other words, when we get our eternal body, then it should be brought to pass, saying, it is written, death is swallowed in victory. In other words, because we died, now we get our victory, which is an eternal light body. It's not saying anybody gets to skip any seven-year tribulation. Now, you may be saying, well, how do we know that this actually happens on the seventh trumpet? Well, let's go to Revelation eleven fifteen, And the seventh angel sounded, that's a trumpet, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come. 
because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and has reigned. So at the seventh trumpet, Jesus is now reigning. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come. That also proves what we said earlier, that it is the wrath of God, and the time of the dead that they should be judged. And thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, both small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. What did that just say? It just said that on the seventh trumpet is when Jesus returns in his wrath, the dead are judged, and that is when he gives his reward unto his servants, the prophets, and to the saints. That's us. It just said Jesus returns on the seventh trumpet and not before. There is no pre-trib. There is no mid-trib. There is no pre-wrath rapture. No one is going, Matthew 13, 30, gather you first the tares, that's gathering in the nations to the battle of Armageddon, bind them into bundles, cast them into the fire, that's the morning star. Then gather my wheat, that's us, into the barn. It could not be any more clear, that is, unless we just want to be blind and just simply not believe it. And the temple of God was open in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings, voices, thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail. Why is there great hail? Because the sun has been out now for about three days, and the atmosphere has reached a cold temperature where all of the moisture in the atmosphere has now frozen into hailstones. And another place it says they're about the weight of a talent, or about 75 pounds. So the whole earth is filled with hailstones about the size of a beach ball, somewhere in that ball, basketball to a beach ball, and probably most scientists estimate that to be anywhere from three feet to seven feet deep all around the globe. There is no more sea. There are no more mountains. There are no more valleys. Everything is a nice, round, smooth ball, again, as I said, except for one mountain. Now, that is on the Feast of Trumpets, and that's when the old heaven and the old earth are destroyed. It takes 10 days for them to be destroyed. Then 10 days later, on the Day of Atonement, this is the great white throne. On trumpets is the judgment seat of Christ. That's when Jesus returns with the morning star. 10 days later, it's the Day of Atonement or the great white throne. All of this is explained very carefully in the book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. You have to get it. One for 20, but don't do that. We want you to give them away. Or we offer them 5 for 35 or 10 for 50. I recommend you get 10 for 50. That way it gives you nine more books to give away. And I promise you, if you read the first 15 pages of this book, you will be giving it away. It's also got two charts in the back of it that explains the secret door so you can understand it. It is a book that you must have if you want to understand the last days, especially if you want to be able to give answers to questions where people are asking you. If you want to be able to teach Bible prophecy and know you got the truth, this is your book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy at prophecyclub.com, prophecyclub.com. And while you're going, go to sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com, get signed up. We have less than 10 days. You got to get going, sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. Also, be sure and sign up for the anointing oil making class. It's only about seven or eight days until the Sevenfold Miracle Crusades, so go there and get signed up real quick. SevenfoldMiracleCrusades.com. SevenfoldMiracleCrusades.com. If your heart is with us, I'm asking you to become a member. Actually state before God that you are with 
our vision to win thousands upon thousands of souls, to teach prophecy and walk in sevenfold miracles, to be a blessing and give answers in the time of trouble. If this is your heart, go to prophecyclub.com and click on membership. Only takes 90 seconds. This will help us to get a loan for an office and a church to do the work of the ministry. prophecyclub.com. In 2017, God blessed me by helping me to memorize the book of Revelation just as a simple project. God showed me a secret door, which is based upon a single word found in Revelation and Leviticus, linking the feasts to the prophecies. When linked, a person enters into an understanding of Bible prophecy not previously known. Even though I've been in the world of Bible prophecy for 40 years, frankly, I did not know anything of what is in this book. One prophetic word described it this way. There is a lock that I have put over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open to you. It will turn so many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Two amazing prophecy charts on the back flap, 12 inches by 9 inches. Imagine a book on prophecy that brings a fresh, new, accurate perspective. We offer them in shrink wrap sets of five. One for 20, but don't do that. Five for 35 or 10 for 60. That's one for 20, five for 35 or 10 for 60 at prophecyclub.com. Here's the best deal we've ever offered at the Prophecy Club. Five, how pre-trib one. Five, tribulation secrets in Daniel. Five, God's warning to America. Five, secret door to understand Bible prophecy. And 10, miss the mark. 40 books, gift of $100, prophecyclub.com prophecyclub.com. You can now watch 160 Prophecy Club recordings without interruption. Watch prophecyclub.com. Click like, share, and subscribe. Click like, share, and subscribe. Mm-hmm.